everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. I'm Gordon Monson. Hans Olsen sitting in for Jake and Austin's producing. And uh, we're coming up on our NBA Daily Assist with Chris Mannix. Uh, Before we get him on the line, Hans, give me inside of like 30 seconds your snapshot take of the All-Star Week. Loved it. I loved it. I liked a lot of the slam dunk competition. Um, I loved the All-Star game. I, I liked the format, the 157 format. I, I thought that Rudy Gobert was spectacular. Yes, he I, I thought that the All Star Game took it, it kind of took a, a personality of its own. Took on a personality of its own this year. I, I thought it was fantastic. All right, it is time for our NBA Daily Sis with Chris Mannix. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hey Chris, uh, Hans Olsen sitting in for the vacationing Jake Scott. Chris, I know you never take vacations during basketball season, do you? Uh, unfortunately, the I have like a three week stretch in August where I shut it down, and other than that, I well put it this way: I'm sitting at the Westin LAX in Los Angeles uh, working this week. So you know, no, I don't take vacations. So I know you're not a huge All Star Weekend kind of guy, but uh, but what did you think of what you observed? Um, look, I, I thought that it was easily the most entertaining all-star game that I have been to. I think this new scoring system, uh, game format, whatever you want to call it, works. Uh, I think there are some tweaks you can make to it, like the the outcome can't be decided on free throws that, that are very minor. I think it's great. And I think that it's going to kind of spark uh, some more interest in this game uh, moving forward. So I think that's all good for the NBA. And look, I mean, we've seen every sports league, you know, tweak its all-star format for over a decade now. I mean, the NBA finally is the first one to figure out something that works. Chris, I've been listening to you for a long time here on The Big Show, and I I think that The Big Show may have even asked you how Rudy Gobert was going to fit into the All-Star game with his kind of defensive abilities and what he does, but it it seemed like he found a better fit than we all thought he might. Uh, What did you think of Rudy Gobert's performance in that game? I mean, everybody kind of fits in the All-Star game. You find ways to you know, put up massive numbers. Uh, I thought Gobert was good, and I think having kind of a a defensive-minded guy represented is always good because, I mean, we, you know, NBA teams preach defense all the time, and guys like Gobert are so valuable, they, they better be rewarded in these types of circumstances. But, I mean, I, I mean it's just like, it, it's video game-like numbers with the game on rookie out there. I mean, it just is is too easy to, to put up numbers. But he, he was good, and, and I'm happy for him that he was able to put up some, uh, some points. I noticed this. I don't know if it means anything. Probably not, Chris. But I, I did notice that Nick Nurse had all Eastern Conference players on Team Giannis going in that fourth quarter. And Team LeBron had all guys from the Western Conference. I thought that was at least an interesting note. 
Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it was intentional or not. I'm, I'm unclear. I didn't really ask anybody after the game. Uh, there were some interesting, uh, you know, this is why the game was so interesting because you, you start to notice substitution patterns at the end. And you're looking around and wondering why Campbell Walker's in the game at the end and the defensive possession instead of Jimmy Butler. I mean, it's just, it just made the game that much more compelling. So, you know, kudos to the NBA and, and whoever can you know sort of settled on that format that Elon uh, Elon scoring system, uh, it, it worked and it was it's really good for the NBA in that game moving forward because I think it you know people will you know the interest that that it created this year I think it's only going to make the interest stronger as we move this thing forward. Chris, have you ever done any studies or, or have you ever watched closely first time All Star nominations how they finish out the season uh, and how they can their career path how they continue on after a first All Star nomination. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot to gain from this, and, and I've, I've had a chance to study it closer with Jason Tatum and, you know, the excitement from the Celtics coaching staff to have Tatum just kind of breathe the same air as, as LeBron and, and some of these other greats and luminaries in the game. It's only positive. I, I don't want to overrate it because, I mean, look, Jason Tatum played a double overtime game on Thursday, probably got in on Friday, and is running around in all these activities over the weekend. But I think, you know, I think there's probably far more value in, say, USA basketball than there is an all-star game. But, yeah, kind of the, the sense of accomplishment of being there, I think it only motivates guys to, to get back there and, and to want to, you know, ratchet up their game so that they're on the same level of, of the true greats, uh, you know, the starter-level guys uh, in that game. So it, there's no downside to it. I mean, I think for, for some – you know, you, you look forward to the All-Star break as a chance to heal some, some of your wounds. But, you know, for, for others, for 21, 22-year-olds like a Jason Tatum is, uh, it, it, only, uh, it only has upside. Chris Mannix joins us here for our Daily Assist. Chris, uh, these teams that well, you, you talked about the Celtics there with Jason Tatum a little bit, the Jazz, uh, are they in similar sort of positions staging for these final 28 or so games down the stretch? And if they are, what... What are they thinking at this point? Do you think these teams that aren't quite with the best record in their conference but are, you know, uh, right in position to maybe threaten a little bit, do they have a shot? Oh, I think everybody in the West has a shot. I mean, I like what the Clippers did today in getting Reggie Jackson and adding him to that mix. Um, He's kind of that big, you know, point guard that they don't have. They've got some smaller guys in Beverly and – and uh, Lou Williams and Jackson's kind of a, a blend of them both with their talents, or they've targeted him uh, for the last couple of weeks. So, you know, that gives them a little bit of a bump. Uh, we saw what, what Houston did with Damari Carroll and Jeff Green kind of doubling down on, on small ball. But I, I think everybody's in the mix. And in, in specific, specifically talking about the Jazz, I mean, I think they're, you know, it continues to be their thing is to keep getting Mike Conley comfortable. And, like, it sounds like it's just lip service sometimes, and I say this on the show a lot, but. Yeah, you know, look, I was I was in Boston when the Clippers came through last week, and one thing Doc Rivers said to me was just, you know, we gotta you know, get we gotta get comfortable and get get our group together and on the on the floor at the same time. Chemistry is the most important thing, and I think that's applicable for the Jazz as well. I mean, the more games Mike Conley spends playing alongside Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Joe Ingles, that whole group, uh, the better they're going to be. And I would put the Jazz right up there as as among the the true threats at this point. Uh, in the conference. I still think the Lakers and Clippers have to be considered co-favorites, but of that next tier, uh, I think Utah's right there at the top. 
See, this is interesting to me, Chris, because I, you know there are times I'm watching the Lakers and I think about them in terms of a playoff basketball team, and I think uh, they're head and shoulders above the rest with the best in the game, and then the addition of Anthony Davis and so many and so many great pieces around them that are are finding their own success. But you don't feel like the Lakers, you don't feel like the Western Conference is a one-team conference. No, because I don't think the Lakers are a flawless team. I mean, I think you make a stronger argument that. The Eastern Conference is a one-team conference with the way Milwaukee's playing right now. Uh, the Lakers, they're probably going to have the two best players on the floor against any team they go up against, but they're, they're, there's some question marks there. I mean, you're getting good regular season production out of Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. Will that carry over? Um, you know, look, they were, were banking on getting Darren Collison. I mean, Darren Collison was the guy they targeted during this whole trade buyout whatever market in February, and his decision to stay retired uh, hurts them. I mean, Collison probably would have been a starter with that group once he worked his way back into game shape. And now they're really going to have to bank on, you know, the combination of Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo and Vic Caruso to, to give them, you know, quality two-way minutes. And, you know, maybe it happens, but there's a chance that it doesn't. So uh, I, I think that, you know, with the Lakers' flaws, uh, you know, they're, they're – I wouldn't say they're, they're vulnerable per se, but, you know, they certainly you know, can be beaten in, in a seven-game series. So what do you look for down the stretch, Chris? I mean, you, you've been watching so much basketball through your career. Or do you look at things differently than, say, your average fan out there as far as preparation in this uh, stretch run for, for what comes next? Because playoff basketball is different than what we've seen thus far in the regular season. Yeah, it is. Um, but again, I, I look at the health of teams at this point. I mean, there may be another minor player or two that's added via the buyout market, but these teams right now kind of are what they are. And I'm looking to see how guys, you know, fit in. I mean, we're really only in like week two of the Rockets and their small ball, you know, commitments. You know, how does that work over the final couple of weeks? I mean, Kawhi and Paul George playing together in with the Clippers, with Patrick Beverly healthy. Uh, how does that work uh, for that team? I mean, even even like a group like Oklahoma City, which has been one of the better stories of the season, how does that work uh, as they come down the stretch? I mean, I think health and chemistry is what you're kind of looking at and you know, seeing how teams are, are built for the postseason. It's, you're kind of past you know, sort of looking at, at, at possible additions and, and ways the roster can change. Now it's about what does the roster look like, and that's what I'm kind of looking at night in and night out. We finally get Zion Williamson back to the game after a, a, a long delay, and you've got a nice sample size, and I know it's probably way too early, but give me your thoughts on, on Zion's fit in the NBA. How good can he be, or will he be a letdown? Oh, no, he's, I think he's going to be great. I mean, I, I still have you know, some concern over uh, the health of his knees. I mean, I'm going to have to see that over three or four seasons uh, because of how much weight he carries in the upper body, but you know, skill-wise, he's he's awesome. I mean, it just, you know, I, I watch him kind of, you know, shoulder-dipping into Steven Adams during a game last week, and, you know, Steven Adams is a, you know, what, eight-year, seven-year center, whatever he is, and uh, one of the strongest, most physical guys in the league, and Zion tossed him around a couple of times. Zion's only like 6'5 out there on the floor. I mean, as he, as his body continues to evolve and grow and his skills grow, I mean, he's going to be something. I mean, I, I did, you know, for the first half of the season, I'm watching John Morant do his thing in Memphis, and I'm kind of wondering to myself, I mean, did did Memphis get the right guy? I mean, and look, Memphis has a, a great player, but I still, watching Zion, you can see what everybody saw, you know, during his time in college. He is just a, a, a really special guy, and as his skills grow with his perimeter shot, I think he's only going to get more dangerous out there. So uh, I think he's, a, he's, he's going to be a perennial all-star for years to come. SI's Chris Mannix joins us here on The Big Show. Chris, 
You mentioned the Bucks. If you were to handicap the rest of the East, I mean, you got the Bucks there, but then how do you uh, configure Toronto, Boston, a team you're very familiar with, and Philly? Well, I would throw Miami into that mix, too, because the Heat um, are one of the few teams that have gone to Milwaukee and won. Uh, and they did it without Jimmy Butler early in the season. Uh, and the additions they made specifically with uh, Iguodala, the fact that they have Bam Adebayo, who at least yeah, like prototypically is, looks like he's built to defend Giannis at a decent level, uh, I think they're going to be dangerous uh, against the Bucks in the playoffs. I mean, the Bucks, their only weakness to me is the uncertainty around Eric Bledsoe. I mean, Eric Bledsoe for the last two postseasons has flamed out at the very end. Last season against Toronto when the entire Bucks team flamed out, and then two seasons ago when – you know, Terry Rozier outplayed him in that Boston series. So he, he's the wild card to me, but um, I think Miami's right there. And the team I'll put at number two is Toronto, just because physically they can match up. And look, there's a reason the Raptors didn't shake up their roster, the trade deadline, by trading away those two big expiring contracts in Serge Ibaka and Marcus Hall. So they need those guys. You know, and they're, they're looking at the postseason and say, hey, we're the second team in the East. We've got, you know, an MVP candidate, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry's still there. We've got all these young guys nobody's ever heard of that are playing at a high level. We can't win, though, against Milwaukee without size. And, and, uh, and that's why they kept those guys, I think, around uh, with that group. So I think the Raptors, incredibly, are still very much a threat to beat Milwaukee and win the whole conference. You know, I've been blown away watching the Denver Nuggets do what they do, you know, through continued injury. And you've got, you got so many different things going on with the Nuggets roster and who's in and who's out. And, and yet they're still the number two team in the West in, in conference, in, uh, in playing record. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on how sustainable are the Nuggets and when they get fully, fully healthy, how dominant can they be? Well, I mean, they're they're as deep as any team in the conference, you know, one through like nine. You know, they they just can roll bodies out there that are good. They've done a great job at at drafting these guys, finding them in the second round or free agency. And, you know, the emergence of Michael Porter Jr., I think, is just another weapon they're going to add to that group. But, you know, it's the same question that they've had every single year. I mean, you can't win in the postseason unless you have kind of a go-to perimeter player. And as Jamal Murray has he developed into that that guy? And there are times watching Jamal Murray, I say, yes, he absolutely has. There are times that he has struggled kind of in that role. So to me, that's what it comes down to. They're going to be able to get up and down and, and score on you, and Jokic will be great. But end-of-game situations, who gets the ball? And it's probably not going to be Jokic because oftentimes not a, a center in those types of spots. But you know, if Murray can take that next step in his career and become that isolation guy that can make big shots, and look, he has shown a, an ability to do that, you know, over the last year, uh, I think that's a team that could be a tough out as well. Chris, do you think that the incompatibility of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid has been overblown, or is this a very real thing that spells doom for the Sixers ultimately? Well, I mean, I, I can't speak to how they get along. I mean, they both publicly said they like playing with each other and they like each other and and all that, that those platitudes over All-Star Weekend, but yeah, as the roster is currently constituted in Philadelphia, it's tough to it's tough to see how it works. I mean, they just don't have enough shooting, you know, around them. And when you have Joel Embiid as the perimeter shooter, you're really taking away a strength of that team by by taking him out of the low post. I mean, I think every team in the league will will live with Joel Embiid jacking up threes at you know five six times a game. Uh, that that that's a win for them. Uh, so, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't know how it works long term. They're one of the more interesting teams this postseason because I think the end result of the playoffs will have a real impact on what they decide to do with that roster in the offseason because they're kind of landlocked by all these salaries. I mean, Al Horford's under contract for a long time. 
Uh, Tobias Harris, same thing. Simmons, Embiid on max contracts. Um, I, I would think that one of them would have to go, and I think Simmons might be more likely if this team fizzles out early in the first round. For the listeners out there, Chris Bosch released a statement earlier saying that he was very disappointed not to be inducted into the Hall of Fame with this class. Uh, does he have a gripe, in your opinion, Chris? Well, I mean, I think he's he's a Hall of Famer, um, but you know, there's only so many guys you can take every single year, and this was a particularly robust class, you know, headlined by, by KG and by Kobe and, and some of the other guys. I mean, it's, it's got to be disappointing for Chris Bosh only because these are his peers. I mean, he's had so many battles with Garnett. Um, you know, certainly Kobe Bryant, someone who played opposite to him uh, for many years in the league. So I get the disappointment, uh, but you know, he'll, he'll get in at, at some point. I don't, yeah, I don't look at Chris Bosh as being like this no-brainer Hall of Famer. I mean, I think he is uh, based on the numbers and the titles, but the guys I see getting in right now, absolute no-brainers. Kevin Garnett, one of the greats of all time. Kobe Bryant, one of the greats of all time. I mean, that's you know, those guys are, are obvious choice. I think Chris Bosh gets in in a year that, you know, maybe next year where there aren't as many NBA clear-cut choices. Chris, you mentioned the Rockets and the small ball experiment and the small sample size. Do you think that uh, what, what's your best guess about how that will work, especially when they go up against teams like, well, the Jazz with Rudy Gobert and the Lakers with their size? I mean, it's a good question because I, I, I mean, I don't think anybody really knows the answer at this point. I thought what the Jazz did to them in that matchup last week was smart. I mean, you know, putting Gobert on Russ was the right thing to do because. Not only does it force Russ to take outside shots, which he doesn't want to do, but it basically allows Gobert to be a, kind of a zone center and just sort of hang out there in the paint and, and dare Russ to, to beat you from the outside. Now, he did that uh, against the Jazz in that game, shot really well, especially that mid-range shot. But can you count on that every single night? I mean, can you, can you bank on Westbrook being consistent with that perimeter shot? And do you really want him – can you really succeed with one guy taking long twos? I mean, I, look, I think they're fascinating, and I think that – Small ball can work with with the with the way they can switch and how physical they are. But to me, it comes down to Westbrook. If Westbrook is a high percentage shooter and a high percentage offensive player, they're going to be really good. If he's not, uh, there's another team that could go out in the first round. Chris, uh, what do you where are you? you say you're at LAX or near there? Where's your next assignment? What can our listeners look for as far as what you got cooking next? Well, it's all over the place. So I'm be in L.A. for about a week, and then uh, I'll be back two weeks from now. I'll be in Dallas to do some boxing stuff for DAZN. So yeah, I wish I could keep track of my own schedule these days. I wish it was a little little lighter on the air travel, but, you know, it is what it is. There are worse things we could be doing. Well, you, we always appreciate you carving out some time for us. Thanks yeah. a lot, man. Thanks, Chris. You got it, guys. All right. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated. Of course, your NBA daily assist is brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Cold weather's here. Is your home's heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only $59. Call Lee's Heating and Air today at 801-747-LEES or online at leesheatac.com. Hence, you got a friend on the line. I do. And, you know, I'm excited to bring Durant on with TridayTrading.com. Durant, how did you get involved with Triday Trading? Hey, guys. How's it going? Very good. Um, yeah, so I got involved with Triday Trading just through my dad. Um, you know, I came, I'd come home from doing some summer sales, door-to-door sales, and he said, look, I have this opportunity that you might want to look into with me. And um, he introduced me to Ryan over at Triday Trading and, 
um, we've gone along really well so far, and it's been a great experience. So when you started into TridayTrading.com and you started trading in, in the market, what, what were the first two or three things that Triday Trading did for you to get you started in the right direction? Yeah, the first two or three things that they did for me was they brought in a coach that down and was like, hey, I've been here before. When I got into um, trading, I didn't know much about it. And so just being able to make a connection with somebody who's been in a similar position from the from the jump really helped. And then seeing where they took it from there and um, all the experience that they had learned, they all just shared that with me. Um, and I was able to sit down and their program is just so easy, um, whether it's I would go home and watch some videos that they would send me or do some homework that the coach would send me with. And within, you know, about a month, I was able to start really learning to do it on my own. And um, I don't know if there's another program out there that's going to be able to teach you how to trade in the foreign exchange market like they do. Yeah, I don't I don't think there is, you know, with that proprietary software and their personalized coaching and them being right here in the market. You know, there's so many guys on the zone that are working with them now that they make it so easy, and I think it's so fluid. And I'm excited, Durant, that you're having that success, and I appreciate you sharing your story with your listener, with our listeners. Yeah, for sure. There you go, Durant, with TryDayTrading.com. If you're interested in getting into the day trading world, it's really simple to start. Join that free webinar. You can sign up all different times of the day, and you can jump into a demo account. That demo account, you'll start in... They'll download the software that gives you the indicators of when to place the trade. They'll start you into some personalized coaching. It's a month demo. It's only $10. That's it, 10 bucks, and, and all of the $10 goes to charity, by the way. But we just want you to try getting into the market. It might be something that fits you to make an extra $700, $1,000, or replace your income in some instances. It's TridayTrading.com. All right, Hanson and I will break down the, uh, the jazz and where they go from here. Coming up next on The Big Show. This is DJ and PK. In college at San Diego State, a guy texts in, my neighbors the U's thought about naming their son after Marshall Falk. Thought about it? Why didn't they do it? You're, you're not catching on, Dave. What's their last name? You're just oh, so Oh, yeah, you're right. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going for Marshall U. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I got it now. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> you're so freaking naive, Dave. This is why we love you. You're not exactly you. a street smart guy. <laughs> Marshall U's not that bad. No, no, no. I think it's more the last name. So you really name. like the Thunder and Herd, do you? Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Like you said, you know, your family members, your agents, Bruno, Jeremy, like these guys all believed in you, you know, as you were growing up, but Explain your story, like how improbable is it for a player like you right now to be in a position where you're an all-star with your teammate, you know, multiple times, you know, hopefully defensive player of the year as well, etc. It's amazing. It's amazing when you look at where, you know, where it all started and, you know, just uh, not being in the national team when I was 16 and, you know, not being considered as one of the best of my generation and just kept working and, you know, and in the shadows and, you know, just kept, you know, try to keep getting better, keep getting better and being drafted, you know, 27, uh, considered as a guy that 
going to be a role player at best. And, uh, you know, it just shows that, you know, in the work and when you, when you believe in yourself. And, of course, you surround yourself with the right people and, you know, in, in the right organization. It's, uh, anything can happen. There you hear Rudy Gobert talking about his path to NBA All-Star. Hans, what do you got over there, bud? Are you buying or selling a home? Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. I wish I would have had Homie the last five or six homes that I've sold and gone through. Would have saved you some uh, money. Would have saved me thousands. Don't you love that conversation right there with Rudy where he said, just surround yourself with the right players and get in the right organization. He really is one of the biggest advocates for what the Jazz future could be. Oh, yeah. I mean, remember when he, the first time he won uh, Defensive Player of the Year, all those folks were asking him questions about winning a championship, going somewhere else to win a championship. And he was saying, no, man, it's a lot better to yeah. stay right where I am and build where I am. And that that kind of talk stands out, you know, and good for him. And the proof is in some of the is in some of the um, free agents that have come around. And I know Mike Conley hasn't exactly panned out and been worth the $32 million yet, but my fingers are crossed. What 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 are you projecting for him? I think he's going to come around. I do. Uh, I th- this whole thing. I think we underestimated the adjustment, the things he were he was being asked to do that were different than what he did in Memphis. I think he will come around, and when he does, then I think the Jazz will be complete. And by complete, I I don't mean necessarily world beaters but uh, or championship caliber team but they'll be the best they can be and really Mike Conley filling in that gap that that's going to do it now you could also say the same thing about Donovan he's only 23 years old he's still growing into the star player he is but Rudy when you hear him talk there, Hans, doesn't that explain a lot about the pride he has and about the sort of the competitive nature he has? It all stems from his formative years. Yeah. Yeah. He he has that uh, that amazing championship mentality that we praise Kobe Bryant for, that g- continued drive to be better. You know, he got done with the all-star game and headed off to whatever warm area that he wanted to be at. And through social media, he's posting all of these pictures of him in the pool. And, you know, you see him at the commercials. You look at the, the stock that that man has put on. Yeah. That just shows his level of commitment. You know, you see a lot of long, slender men come into the NBA, and they can never put weight on. And I don't know if the word is can. It's just they never commit to putting weight on. And Rudy has put weight and strength on. A lot of people say, well, I don't know how much better Rudy can get. I think he can get a lot better because I think he can continue to add strength and add a little bit of mass to that frame. And I think he's still young, and I think that the more mass and more strength you add to Rudy Gobert, the more durable and the better he becomes in that low post. And I think it could help him offensively even more than it can help him defensively. Well, not only is he adding strength, he's adding, and this is weird to say, but he's adding coordination around the basket. That's one thing. During that All-Star game, people say, oh, you're just alley-ooping, you know, throwing passes up there for Rudy to go get. Well, his hands are much better than they once were. Yeah. His the moves around the basket, he's still not a Kim Olajuwon. I get it. But he is way more adept 
uh, at moving around and, mm-hmm. and, and scoring than he once was. And I think it does stem back to this whole do- idea of what what motivates you, what what's driving you inside. And I don't question Rudy Gobert's drive at all. You know, Gordon, with the Mike Conley conversation, and there was a thought that I had with his situation and what the Jazz are doing. And I think one of the one of the things that's emphasizing Mike Conley is how good the Jazz are when he's not on the court. How good the starting five is with Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles, along with, of course, your two All Stars. It, it's the brand of basketball that those five play together is powerful. It is. Uh, I think it's. I think it's both defensively and offensively balanced. I think that it's got a, a ton of energy. I think it's got a lot of defensive ability. If you've got to put the clamps on, and so one of the hard things that I've had is, I, I put together the record with Mike Conley on the court and with Mike Conley off the court. Did you hear when I went over that? No. It, it's somewhere along the lines of nineteen and fifteen with him on the court and like 16 and 5 or 17 and 5 with him off the court. So, you know, you see your winning percentages jet and it and it becomes a, a question of okay, how good is this starting five that you're putting on the court when Mike Conley is not available? And I think that that's what's adding to the layer of questioning is if that starting five is your best option, then what becomes of Mike Conley and his usage for the Jazz? Well, I, I let me say it this way and see if you – sounds like you might disagree with me, but that's fine too. I think Mike Conley's a better point guard than Joe Ingles is. And once he does get fully acclimated, that that will be an effective tool to utilize. Now, I, personally, I think that Joe and Mike Conley should be on the court at the same time. It's just me – and then uh, have Royce O'Neal come off the bench. But uh, I, I think the Jazz will eventually be better once Mike Conley is fully integrated into what the Jazz want to get accomplished. And those numbers uh, that you cited there, that was including the time when he was in the very formative stages of it. And I think that as this, that's just one of the things to watch in the final 28 games, Hans. How will Mike Conley fit in? And we've seen some positive signs moving in a in a in a good direction in this regard. But I and I think it will get better. I do. Well, with this four game streak that they went on just before the All Star break, and and with Conley taking a couple of games off, and and the Jazz keeping pace and showing that ability with this starting five, I think that this staff has. I think they're steeped with questions on on how to handle it. Yeah, well, it, that's the thing. I mean, the Jazz are thirty six and eighteen. They've won twice as many games as they've lost. And yet they still haven't fully realized the exactly. potential yet. No, I agree with that. And and that's that's a positive rather than a negative, in my opinion. As long as they can close the gap completely, whether they can, they can. This is, tell me if you agree with me on this. I think, and I wrote about this sltrib.com. If you want to check it out, I think the role that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert will play down the stretch and through the postseason as leaders on this team is huge. Now, you've played team sports your whole life, Hans. How important is leadership from a standpoint of winning a championship or contending for a championship? I know that Donovan and Rudy can't do it all. They need help. But their attitude, along with their athleticism, is huge for this team. And I... 
if they've learned anything over the past three years, or last two years anyway with, with Donovan, in the postseason is that star power has to rise to the yeah. occasion. And those are the two stars. Now, I know Bogdanovich is a fine, complimentary player. Joe Wingles, terrific. I mean, he is so deeply integrated into what the Jazz do, you can't even imagine the Jazz without Joe Ingles being involved in the process. But Donovan and Rudy have to lead the way and show the way and essentially look at the guys in the locker room at tough moments when the team is facing adversity and say, fellas, follow me. Let's go. Well, there's going to be a a turn of experience that's going to be really difficult for them. And if they do make it to the Western Conference Finals, if they find a way to beat the Clippers or potentially, I guess, beat the Nuggets, you know, if the Nuggets get healthy, I don't know how good they can be. Um, it, it's crazy what they've done with the lack of health. I think that there's going to be a real problem there because I know that the Jazz have two All-Stars, but I really consider the NBA a mix of maybe four or five stars, you know, Big stars, superstars, and, and the Lakers. Think, the Lakers. Think, the Lakers have two of them. You don't think Rudy and uh, Donovan can? I, I don't put can them in elevate a, themselves to I, that level. It would. It's going to have to take them winning a Western Conference Finals and getting there and putting it on their backs and really being their effort and what they do against LeBron and Anthony Davis. That's what I loved about Rudy's response when he was asked about what he if he proved anything at the All-Star game. And he said, essentially I'm paraphrasing, he said, you prove something by winning a championship. Yep. And and that is the exact attitude that a player like uh, like Rudy has to have. With 12 locations conveniently located along the Wasatch Front, Stewart Orthopedic and Sports Medicine provides care close to home. Make an appointment at mystewardortho.com. Dot com today. Come join Scott and I on Thursday from 12 to 3 at 3584 West, 90th South in West Jordan. That is Steward Health at mystewardortho.com. All right, coming up next on the big show, it's the Not Sports Report. My favorite time of the big show. Don't go anywhere. Is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Big time historical moment for the Utah Jazz, their fans, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and their legacies as they both take part in their first All-Star Games. There was some Stockton and Malone dynamic duo comparisons brought up. Stockton and Malone were part of 13 All-Star Games for Malone, 10 for Stockton. 10 times they played in the All-Star Game together, 9 straight. This is number 1 for Rudy and Donovan. I could see them, honest to goodness, going 9 in a row. Like Stockton and Malone did. Really cool that this team in this market has a chance to see a Stockton and Malone type all-star tandem being in the all-star game with each other for many, many years to come. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
it's story time theater no. here uh, during the break. Well, Lloyd loves to, he just he comes in and just instigates. And said, I, it drives me bonkers. We told him a story about you and you filled in the details and he said, I've never heard that story and I've been working with Hans for 80 years. Yeah, well, there's a lot of stories I don't tell. There's still a lot of stories in the tank. <laughs> it is the Nuts Sports Board. Hans is sitting in for Jake Scott. And uh, Hans, you love the Not Sports Report, unlike Austin in there. I do. I, I love the Not Sports Report, and I love the sponsor of the Not Sports Report. It's my guys at Larry H. Miller Used Car Supermarket. The Not Sports Report is brought to you by LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over a thousand used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at lhmusedcars.com. Why buy new when you can save thousands of dollars buying used? Sure. Let someone else take the hit. Right? Darn right. All right. Uh, the Not Sports Report today, Hans, is a two-parter. Okay. Uh, the first part, let me introduce it by asking, did you ever vandalize anything no. when you were a kid? No. And I hate vandalism. No, I've done a lot of things in my life. Vandalism, abs- it, it, it almost... Okay, once. Yes, I did. <laughs> I, but I, I, was, I was young... <laughs> You've never drawn on your desk in no, school. No, it was or? it was in a bathroom stall in in the mini mall in Weezer, and I was yeah, like eleven. Number to call or something? No, like? it was worse than that. What'd you do? No, I, I can't. I'm not even gonna say what I what just I just give us a general idea. Uh, okay, uh, here I am sitting on the can giving birth to the peanut man. And I think that everybody has seen that saying in a stall, and I thought it'd be fun to etch it into the wall with a key. And it's not and and I think back to that and I it is one of the things I regret the most. I hate vandals. Not not, not the idle vandals. I hate vandalism. <laughs> I hate vandalists. It, it, you don't like destruction for no, destruction. No, I sake. don't. Yeah, I don't. It, I have zero tolerance for it. Even though I may have committed a little vandalism when I was eleven. Yeah. I, I in the bathroom. I hate vandalism. <laughs> hate it. Uh, Austin, did you ever vandalize anything? Constantly. What'd you do? No, we don't need to talk about it. Just con- just no, constantly. Okay, tell us. Give us. I'm a doodler. Are, are you over it? on everything? Do you still vandalize? Permanent marker. Oh, yeah, permanent marker, crayon, pencil, carving, everything. Did you ever throw a rock at your school window or anything like that? Uh, I threw a snowball at a car driving by once, and he chased me and my brother into our garage, into our house, and me and my brother had to hold our entire body weight against the door to the house so that he couldn't come in and beat us. But when's the last time you vandalized? This morning. (laughs) Oh, man, Austin. (laughs) Were you doodling somewhere? No, I, I'm a fidgeter. What's the worst so, vandalism that you've committed? I don't know. It's nothing major. I'm okay. not like burning churches down or okay. anything. What, what, Gordon, what's the worst vandalism you've committed? Uh, you honest. threw the bundle of newspapers into the river. No, there was the time when that, you ran uh, your dad f- over with a car. That's not vandalism. You oh, shot yeah, your mom in the face. manslaughter. <laughs> with a cannon. Yeah, that was not that was not a happy day. I uh, got in a dirt bomb fight uh, on the elementary school. There were gardens on both sides of the front door. We've heard this story a hundred times. And then Jake, Let's move on. Then we thought Jake the janitor was coming up to get us. It turned out to be a canine officer, and he hauled me home. Took me in, and my dad was a strict disciplinarian. Hans, he's my dad. My dad's six six two ninety five. I mean, he's he's scared all my friends, and he was standing in the doorway. And the police officer came up with me, and explained what me and my friends were doing. 
And uh, and my mom, my dad was very mad, and my mom busted up laughing. Oh, really? And she said all the things I did when I was a kid, and you get busted for a dirt bomb fight. Uh, the reason I bring it up is because someone vandalized Plymouth Rock. Oh, uh, see, that it, uh, I have spray zero, painted it. I have zero tolerance for it. Uh, personally, I'd like to find them and cut their hand off. That's like a that, like hard. Well, no, you know there was the there Is was some guys that here? <laughs> there was some guys that vandalized. Uh, I want to say gobblers now, but what is the what is the um, what's the rock gobbler gobbler goblins goblin something? Oh yeah, down in uh, down in southern Utah. Yeah, yeah Goblin yeah. Valley. Goblin Valley. Goblin Valley. Uh huh. And, Are you kidding me right now? And they, they By the way, that is a real place that he originally said that you dumped. Uh yeah. It is. It it's it's in Punxsutawney Phil lives there. <laughs> oh, uh, I thought you did. Uh, but anyways, so the guy that vandalized, he pushed over a rock formation that was like yeah. a million years old. Uh-huh. Like I have Zero? No, I think it's a million years old, isn't it? I a mean, million? Yeah, it's probably a million years old. Adam himself formed this rock. <laughs> At least nine hundred twenty thousand years old would be my guess. Uh, whatever. But but you don't like the idea no. of someone taking a can of spray no, paint? We don't ever and get that back. Plymouth Rock. What is Plymouth Rock? What what's the significance? That's where of- the Pilgrims landed in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. You don't know it's where a boat you've hit. never you never heard of Plymouth Rock? Well, I, I I have in in general terms, but I don't know the specifics. <laughs> it's where a boat hit. Yeah, yeah. It, didn't it? Well, it, it crashed the, the Santa Maria, the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're getting the story mixed up a little bit. They were bit. too busy painting French women. But it was, <laughs> ran right into that rock. Uh, I know that's anyway. not true. And then finally, there's this item that I just have to throw out there real quick to get your thought, especially since you are such a connoisseur of good eating. Burger King supposedly is selling a sandwich now with just french fries on it. Wait. <laughs> so, but, but it's a bun. A bun with and french fries? fries. No, that's disgusting. That's too much carbs in one. <laughs> you got you got to throw some protein in there. All right. Did you ever put uh, potato chips on your sandwich? All the time. Oh, you did? Yeah, yep, love a little cr- crunch on my sandwich. And what <laughs> What kind of what kind of protein are you putting in there? Oh, it'd be uh, anything. Like uh, you've got a turkey sandwich on just your basic white bread with a little mayo, and you throw some sour cream and onion, you know, Lay's potato chips in there, and you've got yourself a, a real a real treat. Did a, Dolores ever put like uh, cornflakes on her casseroles? <laughs> well, I'm gonna cut Lloyd's hand off. That's what's gonna happen here. Lloyd, stop telling my stories. Is that what dude? you covered in the bathroom for a good casserole? Call? Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't like crushed cornflakes or breadcrumbs on any of my casseroles. All right, but we're, you'll eat it anyway. If we're going to do a topping on a casserole. <laughs> let's do tater tots. Tater tots. Yeah, I do. I love that. Hey, by the way, standing by Sean from TridayTrading.com, here to give us some thoughts on how you can make money in the live day trading market. Sean, how are you, man? I'm doing great. You? Doing really good. Thanks for joining us. How did you get involved with Tri-Day Trading? Oh, I actually uh, went to a webinar, just like what they always are asking everybody to do. And uh, 
basically tried out their trial that they're offering now right now for 10 bucks. So very similar to what everybody else gets to do. Okay, so you got you got into the demo account and and I, that's what I'm encouraging our listeners to do. I want people to go try this demo account. It's 10 bucks, it's 30 days. You get the software, you get the counseling, you get uh, the, you know the coaching and kind of walk people through it. What did you find while you were involved in your demo account? Yeah, so while uh, I was going through it, you know, I, I never traded before, and so I didn't know what to expect. Just like probably 90% of people out there that look into any kind of trading. And so I went into it just with an open mind, just wanting to, to learn as much as I could before I, you know, took any further step or action with them. And so um, that's what I did, just, just started looking at things, putting in trades, getting the education that they provide for the 10 bucks, which is a ton of videos and a ton of webinars that you get. It really is great. They, it's, they set it up so that somebody that has never heard of trading in the live day trading market can jump in, get educated, get a fully funded account, and start making money in the day trading market in front of your own computer on your own time, in the comfort of your own home, and it's supplementary, or sometimes it takes over. Uh, you know, a lot of people leave their job and they go to full-time trading. Sean, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We're going to send people over to check out TridayTrading.com. Thanks for coming on with us. That'd be great. Thanks. All right. We'll talk some college football and college basketball coming up next on The Big Show. Hans Olsen sitting in for Jake Scott, and Austin's here, too. This, this, this is Olson and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until 8th grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah. Look how you got like 220-pound 8th grade hands. Would you Can we not focus room? on that? You're like, you're like, hey, Dolores. Hi, hands. I think it's funny the thought of a 8th grade hands Olsen probably pushing two bills. He's <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her husband, Don, liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. Hey, <laughs> Don, you can-, can I borrow your shaver? <laughs> Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.